Okay, it's time to start recording a podcast. I better hit the record button. I remember one time I didn't hit the record button several years ago, maybe even a month ago. Miles was so mad at me. I wonder how Miles is doing. I should probably get him on the show. But before that, I've got to record this podcast. What? Man, I'm talking a lot of unnecessary background dialogue. We're talking about Spider-Man, the birth of Venom. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to your new favorite show, The More You Nerd, the only podcast dedicated to expanding your nerd horizons by engaging in monthly stuff. Man, I caught myself. <laughs> I, was, I, I said, about the old catchphrase. I said that a- catchphrase for for 10 years and just it's, it's embedded right here in my brain. Uh, my- mean, I'm still... I still remember, like, I still wait for you to be like, next week's challenge. You have received a quest. Quest. (laughs) So, yes. uh, So my name is Drew. I'm here with my good buddy, Miles, my symbiote uh, anti-hero partner. Um, I don't know. (laughs) I'm wearing black. I guess it counts. (laughs) As we talk about Venom, we didn't decide on a name, Miles, so I'm going to decide on it without you. But I'm not going to do it right now as we're spending the month of November talking about Venom. And we decided for our first outing to go back to the source uh, to talk about Spider-Man Birth of Venom. Now, Birth of Venom is actually a trade paperback that was released back in 2013. And it has a bunch of different issues from a bunch of different books that covers like five years of of Spider-Man content. So it's 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 a lot of stuff. Um, but but before that, Miles, what let's talk about Venom. Let's talk about Venom. What you want to talk about yeah, I mean, Venom? I think we probably should just try to get Mike on this one too because he loves Venom. Um, this this is a character that I mean everyone loves this character it, it has become ingrained in the spider-man uh iconography uh his image is almost just as popular as spider-man uh and with with certain people more so and i mean there, there are a couple villains that are invented in the 80s and 90s that kind of for better or for worse became like some of the mainstays because of how popular they were you have venom You've got Apocalypse, Bane, like a, a lot of these vi- villains that popped up and kind of were great for one story. And then they just kind of kept using them um, when some were better off used just once. Hush. Um, and the character, he wasn't telling me to shut up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the character <laughs> Hush for, for Batman. Actually, a lot of Batman villains should have been just one timers. You know, but um, but, but, the, but that's the thing about and, and what what was interesting about this in particular is as we read through and we start back in gosh it was secret wars, secret wars. which was what which was we that did not read. which we did not read which was secret wars was like that was way early right that was 84 i want to say 80, 80 late 83 early 84 cuz i remember what, looking at one of these issues like oh august 1984 this issue came out the <laughs> like the month i was born that's really weird um 
Uh, sorry, uh, May of 84 to April of 85. This lasted for a while and took a lot of main characters out of their books. And and, and, and which is weird because there were books happening that take place after the Secret Wars. Which is. Yeah, it, it's, weird. A, it's a whole thing. I mean, it's comics. Um, yeah, it's got so this this is a big change and uh, one day we're gonna get some real good exposés about uh comic book editorials um the 80s were very much a wild time and entire major arcs were changed because of an editorial shakeup or because of disagreements um i know the hobgoblin saga is a very famous one for spider-man um which is also happening during this entire time that we're talking about and at this time, you know, Spider-Man's been around for, I guess, 15 years at this point. Uh, pushing 20, definitely. Pushing 20. So, uh, and, and all, all, even then, a very iconic logo, very I- iconic outfit. Changing a costume like that was not something that was commonly done. So when Spider-Man gets a new costume, and it's often been said about the design aspect is the most designable uh costume probably in comics is a spider-man outfit and you earn like a thousand uniforms in all the games and spider Spider spider-man is one of those heroes that there are really two heroes that i love seeing different costumes of in games batman in the arkham games with all the different costumes you could have there and spider-man specifically peter parker uh in the in in the spider-man games i'm sorry miles morales but you just haven't been around long enough to have a, a breadth of costumes that are cool um, I like some of the ones that they did for him, though. Well, we'll talk. Um, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I know we'll talk about that later. But 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 this, but this is one of the weird things. So we talked. We, we talked about Secret Wars. So uh, Secret Wars, which we did not read. All of the heroes in the Marvel universe are transported by the Beyonder to a planet be at the edge of the galaxy or beyond the galaxy. I don't whatever. Spider Man's costume gets all messed up, and they're back at the base, and they find a costume making machine. And Spider-Man thinks he's using the costume making machine and he gets this cool new black suit that's all black with the white spider logo. And 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 and, mm-hmm. and, he, and he suddenly finds out that it kind of enhances his abilities. He, he can shoot webs out of out of the backs of his hands instead of his and he doesn't need web shooters anymore. It's this whole cool thing. And we open up in this book as Spider-Man and Kurt Connors are returning from uh, returning from the. Uh, be the secret wars and to, to spider-man finding out that it can do a lot more it can tr- change into different clothes it can it can do all sorts of cool funky stuff and uh and that is sort of where we we begin our tale now we're not going to talk about every single detail in this but just so you right. know we're talking 1984 comics 1984 is a very interesting so, comics time. so something that people take for granted about comics honestly pre-90s and i want to say pre-mid-90s is there was there began a shift of you know these things were made for the newsstands and with the understanding that hey not every reader is getting to see every single issue right you know comic shops were not everywhere um the way they they kind of started popping up in the 90s more and more and don't i don't need anyone writing about their their one comic shop look i've had one in my 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 town in south carolina my entire life but that's not always the case you have what they call like the newsstand editions 
And so like a lot of them were used at uh, newspaper stands or like your uh, news aisle at your grocery store used to carry them. And so they were written in kind of a way that anyone could pick up a book and at least get some context or were told that context, which leads to some very um, you know, people want to complain about Bendis's dialogue, some very like exposition dump dialogue it's it, or it, thought bubbles consistently throughout the book and because we're talking we're reading these books in order and for that same reason we get these same exposition dumps over and over and over again in these comics it's very it's very funny in hindsight but but another thing that's very funny in hindsight is like like fans of things do when it was announced that spider-man was going to have a new costume a very loud number of people hated it because it wasn't Spider-Man's costume and they did a campaign to make him change it. And so in these early issues, we they basically the first arc of, of birth of venom is Peter Parker, Spider-Man figuring out that his costume is alive and Reed Richards taking the costume off. But then using powers to do it but then of course fans by that point had liked the costume so they needed a reason to bring it back uh so he does he does wear at some point in this a cloth version of the costume which also lasted for years yes he and and the thing about this trade paperback which is actually really really good if you're just wanting the 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 meat and potatoes of the venom story the birth of venom story like the time between him coming back and finding out there's something wrong with his costume, there's a distance between those points that we're not seeing. It's not immediate that he right. finds out his costume's alive and is a problem. And also, like in this collection, is like two pages in the back of a Fantastic Four of how the costume gets out, um, which is not discussed again in this entire book and i i wanted to talk about that for a second because i talked to a buddy of mine who's kind of a spider-man expert and said well in the in the ff book they because they like took it out because it's not about the costume but dr doom was interested in studying it not knowing that it was alive alive and so when the robot uh basically burns through the glass that's holding the symbiote from uh, the Baxter building, the suit escapes. So I, I have to tell you, Miles, I looked this up too, and I found a slightly different take on this. I found the take that it was, it was definitely studying it, but none of this is said on screen. And the only reason that you know those two events are related is because in that Fantastic Four book, you see another one of those probe droid flying around zippy doodah things in another scene implying that it was one of his um but let, let's talk about let's talk about the costume let's talk about the arc because i come to this book with certain understanding of what the black costume did of what the symbiote suit did and i want to talk about some of those things miles miles when when peter parker has the black suit what is the one thing that you know 
is different about Spider. Oh, it changes his personality entirely. It changes his personality entirely. He gets he gets angry faster. He's more pushed to the edge, and he's willing to to take more risks and all of that. Um, well, wouldn't you know it? That's not in this. Not in it. Doesn't change his personality at all. <laughs> it, well, there there's a couple moments where he does seem to be a little edgier, but not to the degree of what we know. Like, and by edgier, like he's got kind of a bad attitude. Not like th- there's a couple sequences where he kind of malice offers, like, eh, maybe it's not so bad. And we also know that the costume has been, uh, which is not something that that pops up in a lot of stories, but the costume has been popping off as Spider-Man while he's asleep, which is why he actually doesn't get any rest. Yeah, that that's that that is the that's the big change is that or that's I guess it's not really a change because I feel like we've seen this in other spider stuff. It's but one that hasn't been utilized until recently. Yeah, is that he like Peter Parker goes to sleep, the costume takes itself off and goes and lays on a chair. It's really funny <laughs> to see this sort of symbiote costume do that. Yeah. And uh, because you think, oh, he's he's in it all the time. He's in it all the time, but he's not in it all the time. That is another thing that's like, oh, once he gets that suit, it's off of him as much as it's on him in these books. But yeah, Peter goes to sleep. The, the suit gets on him and he makes him flip around and flip, flip around, flip around and all of that stuff as Spider-Man while he's asleep, thinking it's helping him. So when he wakes up, his mind is rested, but his body is just worn out. And that is really where any of the personality changes with with Peter happen um, mm-hmm. is, is with that. Because um, everyone knows this. Everyone is like, you look like dog crap. <laughs> yeah, um, it is at this point uh, in, the, in the story where uh, we also uh, Aunt May finds out that Peter has, quote, dropped out of college meaning he stopped his graduate degree, graduate program. He was teaching courses. We even meet one of one of Peter's students in one of these early books. But mm-hmm. Aunt May keeps saying he dropped out of college. He dropped out of college. It's like, May, it's it's not exactly the same thing. Um, also, uh, just to talk about the economy real fast. I love that a, a freelance photographer who barely seems to take any pictures can afford a, a single bedroom apartment by himself. Uh, um, well, we, we were also told that this single bedroom apartment, uh, is kind of crappy by his current girlfriend, Black Cat, who apparently hates Peter Parker. Yeah, that was another thing I found very, very funny. So we're at the point where, where, uh, Peter had, had, uh, prior to this proposed to Mary Jane and Mary Jane turned him down and bolted town, basically just got out of Dodge. Um, and so... He has been uh, so so Spider-Man has been dating Black Cat. I'm going to say Spider-Man has been dating Black Cat because, yeah, she does not like Peter Parker, but she loves Spider-Man and doesn't seem to even be attracted to Peter Parker. <laughs> yeah, like leave the mask on. I don't want to like your apartment it, is a dump. I, well, it's I'm, funny because they've, they've, they've definitely like, I think, kind of re I mean, they've rewritten a lot of these characters to actually have dimension. Um, particularly the, the the women, because boy, howdy, do these writers not think much of women? It's these books. It's rough. It's some some like, some rough days out there. Like everyone keeps calling her woman, and when one weird instance, uh, Peter calls her kid. Um, 
which didn't love that. Yeah. Um, I, I also I also don't love that she uses the term lover over and over again. Well, once is fine, but it's constant as if that were his name. Come on, lover. Come on, lover. It makes me think of that old Saturday Night Live sketch with uh, yes, uh with uh, <laughs> Sherry Terry, Will Ferrell, and um, in the in the hot tub. Yes. Lava, lava. It's just, I can't take that word seriously. Um, <laughs> Body's greased with goat meat. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, so yeah, as, as part of all of this, and I also love that they keep talking about how a Spider-Man's like, I keep meaning to go by Reed Richards' office and and talk to him about this about this suit, but I keep forgetting to. Oh, well, I've got other things to do. Um, yeah and, and and i mean obviously at the at that time everyone's like okay so what because i mean no one knows that you know this this what this thing is as a modern reader i'm like dumbass <laughs> yeah um it's 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 also just it's very very interesting to see the other state of the marvel world like at this point aunt may who is pushing 90 by the way that her character is designed um, is running like this old folks home kind of thing uh, with all of these characters that keep showing up. And it's 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 really and it has a, a very like lively boyfriend. <laughs> is he even her boyfriend? I'm not I sure. Think so. I, I mean, think so. Aunt May has had a, a a a quite a list of gentlemen suitors in the history of this book. So including at one point, Otto Octavius. Yes, I know that one. Uh, uh, and, and J. Jonah Jameson at, at another point. Um, I thought it was Jameson's dad. Was it Jameson's dad? Oh, I think, think you're Jameson's right. It was Jameson's dad. dad. It was Jameson's dad. Um, J. Jonah senior senior or something. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess he's, anyway we'll get to that later doesn't matter so but yeah so a lot the weird part about the black suit saga is honestly how little the black suit factors in to much of the story at all we 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 learn what it is we learn you know it, it's really the final the final issue that has this suit in it is when we learn anything about it and we find out that it is you know it's it's alive Reed Richards hits it with a sonic blaster beam that knocks it off and they capture it and they put it into a little angry little tube. And then and then we get I didn't know that this is where this was from. I thought this was from a different comic. Uh, this is where the bombastic bagman is sourced. Yeah, the bombastic bagman, uh, if you if you don't know what that is, is Peter Parker wearing a Fantastic Four uniform with a a paper bag with two holes cut out on it and as well as a kick me sign on his back that he somehow doesn't notice until he's stopped by uh until he stops I mean, a crime why would he i mean the spider sentence is gonna be like hey johnny's playing a prank on you <laughs> so yeah that is where like m most of birth of venom is this backstory that like with stories with the hobgoblin and stories with a character called the rose and kingpin shows up a little bit Which, i mean all these things because spider-man for the longest time and still is was uh, essentially like x-men a soap opera like pete's life is an absolute soap opera and i mean it, you kind of get whiplash reading this book because while you are getting the the meat and potatoes of the the story of the black suit and really the birth of venom the the stuff is like okay 
right here he's dating uh black cat oh they've broken up at some point and he's kind of talking to mary jane oh they're married yeah that 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 that, this 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 covers a wide breadth of time yeah in in spider-man's life Uh, but yeah we we get like a little half you get a little half page blurb that's like a a paragraph of text about what happens in between these things and oh yeah spider-man married mary jane it's like dang okay (laughs) um you know i'm I'm glad i didn't blink (laughs) uh, and so what's outside of i think the 80s writing which is i mean if you are a modern reader and you have you know recently or gotten to comics as an adult or even as a kid uh in the 90s or early 2000s reading this it's going to be difficult because of the way these books were written at the time um they're really dry and they they sound kind of goofy at this point because it's like oh gee golly like i mean it is some of that old classic comic writing that was dying but was not out of mainstream comics yet well and this and this is what i want to say because reading this is really like the transition from the silver age of comics to the modern age of comics over the course of the couple of years that these books yes because you're 100 right because by the time you get to the uh the actual birth of venom this the it's still not quite there but it's certainly becoming more modern um and and venom making mr rogers references yeah well but well so this is where issue 300 we we are finally at the the actual first appearance of venom which i think is pretty pretty interesting um i i yes, got that i got well, that right it was the monumental issue for sure yeah um by this point todd mcfarlane has taken over at art on these books and you can tell there is a crazy upswing in the quality of the art uh todd mcfarlane is one of these you know late 80s early 90s guys um that would be and still is one of the most influential comics creators of all time i mean image comics spawn all of this stuff came from this super popular spider-man run am i wrong about this miles no good so we are then introduced so so as we you know the 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 suit has broken out and i think this happened back in gosh was that 300 maybe i'm getting it wrong was 300 the initial venom run or was that when the suit came back yeah so in 299 like you get the kind of reveal and then you get the first full appearance i believe so the suit breaks out it it gets back to peter it's fully bonding from peter and he can't let in and he can't get it off of him again so he finds these church bells underneath uh and like it's like noon i don't know uh as he's fighting off some vulture right off dudes like <laughs> it's really oh yeah the really vulturians I vulturians think. it's kind of it's kind of lame actually um and and he the the bell start ringing and it knocks the suit off but it also seems to be killing him and you see the suit pull him down away and then seemingly dissipate into nothingness as the suit has saved its life that's another thing i have to say they really go, they go to links to show that the suit really cares for peter likes him is in love with him yeah, maybe. i would say likes him as a host because he's powerful yeah. When we find out what it really is, and I, I mean they've gone further, further into that uh, in the coming decades 
to a degree where it's almost silly. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's like Lovecraftian angles to the symbiote story now. <laughs> I don't love that. I I don't love that. So I I didn't, and I did. Well, we we may get to that one day because I don't know. I don't honestly don't know much of it outside of just you know the the and random. That's a lot of reading. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we then we we are then told the story of Eddie Brock, this character that. Boy, I would have loved to have thought that this was a character that had been around for a very long time in Marvel Comics that certainly suddenly became the host for the symbiote. But no, he's introduced on the same page. We get the backstory on Eddie Brock was a reporter who was reporting on this other Marvel Comics big event dealing with a character called the Sin Eater. He he had been interviewing this guy and was it was going to make his career because he was uh, admitting to being the sin eater and telling him all this stuff. And so he publishes it. And an hour and a half later, Spider-Man finds the real sin eater and his reputation and career are ruined. So he hates Spider-Man so much. And he just happens to be in the same church right underneath where the, all this is happening about to kill himself out of grief and, and rage and stress when the symbiote finds him and bonds with him. And they become something new. Yeah, and for whatever reason, I always thought, and again, because we don't get these stories, I always thought Eddie Brock also had a rivalry with Peter as a reporter. Um, I know that's something that's been kind of introduced in other stuff, so it could just be that. Um, I know certainly it was used in the Spider-Man 3 because he's Topher Grace's Eddie Brock is praying to kill Peter Parker. Well, and, and we know I, 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 well, I don't want to say too much about other instances of it because we're going to cover some other instances of it, including the one that springs to my mind first next week, but right. But it, it was interesting for it to be. And again, this is how comics kind of were. It wasn't a whole lot of uh, character development stuff. It was this happens. And now this happens and someone said something and this happens. And and it's, and it's, well, and it's interesting to see this same story played out in different ways later on. Like if this, if this story was told today, they would have introduced Eddie Brock last year for the, to, to have a whole arc in the background. Yeah. Especially if they wanted to introduce him for the sole purpose of being something else, they would have done that. Um, and especially like any any time you do it now, it's like when they even in the ultimate comics when they did uh, the Venom arc, that I, I like the twist they did to it. But like we all know, well, we know where this is going. So you're waiting for it. You're looking at everything he says to see if like there's something. And I mean, it honestly really good arc. I like the ultimate Venom story. It's pretty good. Um, but it, it is interesting to see how, for lack of a better word basic this this story is yeah it really and we haven't talked about the actual venom part because so from here because the suit knows who peter parker is the suit kind of tells him to go to this apartment where mary jane but not spider-man is and do kind of a classic you know he's just terrorizing her and to, to get to peter yeah and she is completely freaked out by the whole thing 
And as a result, working a move to a upscale Manhattan penthouse. <laughs> well, she's making that. She's making that. Uh, that model no, they, they money say now. That, but I'm just like, why? Why was this never a thing? Why was she moving into this house? Well, it's all it's also it's also hilarious. They move into that apartment and then we get another time jump and they're forced out of that apartment and they don't have anywhere to live. But uh, but yeah, it it's it's at this point. Oh, oh so again, we're we're in issue 300. We're seeing Venom for the first time. And Venom looks a bit different than you may think of Venom. Because Venom. Has human teeth. Human human teeth venom is not a is not a good look, everybody. Human teeth venom is to me scarier than sharp teeth long tongue venom. Um most people will agree with you because people who like us are going back to like, oh man, I, I kinda want to see what the origin of venom's like. And then you see this this grinning venom with great human teeth and not the tongue and like elongated fangs there there are moments where he's drawn with sharp teeth uh in this but not not to the degree that we know venom um it's it is unsettling (laughs) extremely extremely unsettling um so the after after you know so peter peter and venom are thrown down um and it takes going back to some other church bells actually no it's the same church bells that Same venom church. that venom uh, webs up Pete into to have the clapper of the bell smash his head in uh, to kill him, uh, and of course he gets away and then uses those self same bells. Hardcore, <laughs> yeah, and then uses those self same bells to to damage Venom uh, to the point where he uses up all of his essence in using webbing, and then it's just uh, you know. Eddie Brock with some some goop on him on the ground in the yeah, Fantastic which Four. Is something I think they never return to again is the idea that oh the webbing is coming from the suit itself, but like it doesn't it doesn't replicate. Yeah. So he's only got X amount, and he used all of it just now. Um, like it regenerates, but it regenerate, but he has to make it. He has to make Venom use it faster than it regenerates. It's yeah, an interesting but, well, no, concept, no. Compa- honestly. Compared to Venom's power set these days, it, it, it no. Yeah. Uh, uh, Venom will make entire buildings. Um, yeah. Uh, so it's, 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 it is weird that I, just from a modern perspective, I'll like, oh, that's, a, I mean, it makes sense. It's good. It's, I like the fact that they give Venom these limitations, even in the first outing, because, okay, yeah, he's a hulking monster who Spider-Man can't sense, but you can still beat him yeah and that and that's another thing we should we should uh, that's one of my favorite things about venom's power set is that because the symbiote was bonded to peter the power the the venom doesn't trigger his spider sense and that's a really cool thing that they play with um in fact before venom appears on screen that like the, the the you get a couple of moments where stuff happens to spider-man that he doesn't know why it happened because he didn't see it coming like getting pushed in front of a train <laughs> <laughs> right that, that was a fun thing um so we have defeated venom here in issue 300 um but there is an interesting thing that they were doing with this characterization of venom miles and something i did not expect what's that venom kills people 
He definitely does. Mm-hmm. But when he does it to someone innocent, he has reservations about it. There seems to be an element of guilt. Yeah, I mean, it's why he was always called the lethal protector, even in the in the, his early solo stuff, is because he he no problem killing. So that that's the that's the thing. I knew that Venom was popular enough that they made him an antihero, but I didn't know that that process started so early. And I was interested in that because as we jump in the 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 last couple of the last couple of issues that we that we talk about in Birth of Venom happen after as as Eddie Brock slash Venom is trying to break out of this, you know, Western prison for supervillains. And he basically gets back to New York by hitchhiking with this family and they're having a good time. And Eddie's being kind and everybody is having a good time. And then they stop at this rest stop at, that is being basically it, it's a weird situation because they walk into this rest stop that is already being held down by gunmen and they don't leave. They sit down and order food. It's really strange. I'm, I don't really get that part. But yeah. as but as a part of this, the, the, the gunmen shoot the, the dad of this family and Eddie venoms out and takes care of business. And I didn't expect to see him sort of being that lethal protector so early like we're 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 15 issues later and this is happening i think when they were kind of plotting out what this character is going to do i think they were already thinking well this is what we're going to do down the line you know because it's not the last time we see this i think they were expecting this character to be a a big hit with fans and now but he also is i mean peter parker makes and spider-man make him crazy like he he always talks about eating his brains, eating his spleen, all this stuff constantly for at least another decade. Um, it's not really until we get much closer past the millennium where there is a real, like, less of a Spider-Man Venom issue, and they full-on make Venom kind of a hero. Um, and I'm talking about Eddie Brock, not just, oh, well, you know, Brock loses it for a little bit. I mean, there so, was the whole there's whole Agent Venom thing with Flash Thompson. Before that, Matthew Gargan, the uh, Scorpion, got it for a little bit, um, and like th- th- it's had other hosts. There, there, uh, um, it, the, the Venom symbiote Eddie, has Eddie a whole the symbiote break up a lot. <laughs> and this is before I, we get into Carnage and all the other symbiotes as well that were like yes, it's it's before we get Carnage, and uh, we also. Like one factor that's kind of stuck around and is that the symbiote never really wanted it. Even even before it wanted to bond again with Spider-Man. Even when it came back out of Reed Richards um test tube, it tried to bond with Peter again. It well, it it, it tricked him into bonding with him. And and it was it, the bond was so much stronger this time that that's why he had to do the thing. And this is where I think as we get to the sort of end of this arc, um, is one of the most interesting things that that happens in that Venom and Spider-Man are fighting and Venom is just kicking the crap out of Peter. Peter cannot win. He he can't do this. He can't do that. And he can't call for help because Venom will, you know, has this contingency plan to, to, you know, kill Mary Jane and Aunt May and all these people. But he 
Peter goes to a psychologist and talks to him about the symbiote and basically says that the symbiote has a kind of a love hate relationship with you because it's it wants to be with you, but it's it's mad of things that you did. And so. Spider-Man wins the day by telling the symbiote, I'm ready to bond with you again. Please come and bond with me. And it immediately gets off of Eddie and tries to bond with Peter again. And in that moment, the straw, the bond with Eddie is so strong that it can't break it. And it basically shocks both of them into unconsciousness. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. I think, I think Venom's kid is now Venom now. I like, think that's, it's, it's after the King and Black thing. Yeah. Venom's yeah. Eddie, Eddie's son, excuse me. Eddie's son. Yeah. Eddie's son. Um, they've just done a lot of weird stuff with this character, but the 90s were a good time for Venom because, I mean, all he had to do is break out and mess some stuff up, and people were pretty happy. But instead of doing just that, because they did that a couple times, and Eric Larson would then give you the classic uh, giant mouth fangs with teeth, um, which really, I think, Mark Bagley uh, perfects in the one of the biggest Spider-Man stories of the 90s, and one that influ- uh, influenced ran so much that they made an entire video game based on it called Maximum Carnage. I had it. It was a red Sega Genesis red cartridge. Red Sega Genesis cartridge with music so cool. by Green Jelly. Um, and, and that, that I mean, almost anyone our age and maybe a little bit younger who remembers the Venom stories and Carnage stories of the time, a lot of them stem from that story. Yeah. And because you had the carnage arc, which I think was like eight issues and maximum carnage happens maybe a year or two later. And it's a sequel to that. And because Venom and Spider-Man have to team up. And even then Venom still wants to kill Spider-Man. Yeah. And in fact, I think tries to after they beat carnage. Um, (laughs) So there's, there's some other things I want to talk about that are sort of this, this not just as a Venom story, but as a transitionary comic storytelling story. So we talked about okay. Aunt, we talked about Aunt May and I was flipping through looking at different bits of art as we were talking here. And I was reminded about another part of this. So we were introduced to Aunt May's, you know, lovely boyfriend, uh, old man in a wheelchair, Nathan, and how Nathan just thought that Peter was a good boy. And he spends he spends so much of the early like mid 80s arc trying to get peter and may to talk again mm-hmm. because may has kind and of then it just kind of becomes like your typical grumpy <laughs> well, well yeah because he was well because you know may wasn't talking to peter because she was mad at him for dropping out of college and all that stuff we talked about that but then in these later books which are not that much time later he is drawn so much more menacingly he's got a mm-hmm. gambling problem he's getting shaken down by mobsters like he's stealing money out of may's bank account it is a whole different Weird. thing and it's like this is how, we have reached a transitionary period in comics with this uh, i'm not gonna say this was the transitionary period but this is definitely from the start of this in 84 and the end of this in 89, I want to say. Um, let me let me look real fast before I say that uh, we have just a, a complete change in the way that characters are are like everybody's face is a little more more animated. I don't want to say cartoonish, just stylish. 
defined. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, Ju- it's July, weird. July of 89 is, is, is this issue, the amazing Spider-Man 317. That, that is the, the final issue of this, uh, of this book. And, and it's just, it's so weird to see so many things that are so familiar about the story told in a way that I have never seen them told in all of the different appearances of, of, of this yeah and i mean it's more to like there 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 is an accepted version of this story which is i want to say the one i prefer (laughs) in a lot of ways like even seeing this this story i'm I'm like this is this is great for comics history it's academically interesting to read it's not my favorite version and it's it's like i said it's pretty dry um it, it gets better towards the end i mean and it's by no means bad it's just I mean, I've read plenty of old comics, so this is old not a big deal. Co- but old at comics the same time, are just, you're, they're if different. You're, if you're looking for a story, and because comics have just evolved so much into, um, in a literary fashion, that reading these, like I said, it can give you whiplash. You're like, whoa, whoa, this is from a different time and different place, because comics were still kind of stuck in that old school thing. Even... I mean, you have runs that, you know, are special because they don't like some of the old uh, o- O'Neill Adams Batman stuff. Yeah, that kind of does its own thing. And and we are going we, we have some indie comics that are running at the time and are about to kick off a lot of a lot of stuff coming out of out of Britain. Like you've got your uh, uh, um, 2000 AD. 2000 AD, you've got your uh, uh, bu- dude that doesn't want to deal with DC anymore. Um, Alan Moore stuff. You've got you know a lot of that stuff that's that's come out, and and uh, honestly, a lot of that stuff that's yet to come, which is also really really yeah. interesting. Like it was it was so interesting to to uh, again read this as sort of this microcosm of a change in eras of comics. Um, and I'm glad I'm glad we we did this. I'm yeah, glad no, that we it's, read it's, it. It's, it is definitely an interesting read, especially if you like comics history, which Drew and I both do. And but that, that's why I was also giving a warning. If you're if you're really going just for like just to read the story, it that's why I'm kind of giving like it's 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 dry. It's it's different. Um, it's not what you're expecting. And and it is cool to see how different from the accepted canon of the symbiote story, the original battle and birth of Venom is. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and so as we wrap up talking about birth of venom and the comics origins of venom, we are going to transition next week into my first experience, like uh, my first exposure. I I knew who venom was, I think, because when I was a kid, I got the flu at one point, and my parents gave me a comic book just that they got I probably when they were picking up some medicine for me. I've never really put that together. Why they handed me a comic book when they when when, you know, randomly because I had never picked up some. Oh, he like a comic book. I've cool. never I've never really expressed. I hadn't expressed interest in comic books other than like I watched the, the Batman show and I loved Batman at that point. But I was handed a comic that was like if one side was uh uh one comic and the other side was another comic and it the was Marvel part of Tales or something like that? it was part of maximum carnage i looked it up one I looked, oh right the, yeah that's right they did have the they did have the, the i remember that yeah I, I i looked it up years ago and i don't remember which one it is anyway but uh around this same time in the year 19 around the same time in in 1994 uh 
Marvel, uh, they were working with a little company called uh, called Fox, uh, created a TV show called Spider-Man, now known as Spider-Man, the animated series. And wouldn't you know it? They did their own take on the Black Suit Saga, the Venom Saga. It aired three episodes, uh, part one, uh, two and three of the alien costume. uh, And we're going to watch those next week. Uh, so season one, episode eight, nine and ten. Yes, the Venom arc happens that early in the show's history. I can't believe it. Really surprised me. Um, I, I, for some reason, because the uh, the later on in in the, the Spider-Man, I think starting with season two, it started having these ongoing arcs for each season. Yes, that at least had some sort of reference like an ongoing thread even if if something different was happening and, and so i and by the way i, I didn't I, rem- I didn't remember that about this show but like season two is the neogenic nightmare which is the entire mm-hmm. season season three is sins of the fathers season four is partners in danger season five is back to kind of you know telling uh individual stories. stories again but I don't know. I kind of want to go through this entire show at some point. We will but one day. I know. Yeah, a- absolutely. But I, for some reason, had thought the alien costume, like in my memory, because I, I haven't watched this in years. In my memory, it was like oh, a seasonal long thing. Well, and that, that's the other thing. These seasons were really short. The first season is only 14 episodes long. I, I remember this show having so many episodes but it only had 65 across five seasons like i can't believe that this show is this short it had to have been weekly i don't think it had it could not have been daily they would have been done in two weeks and there's just no way that's how they released that yeah and and so this this uh show uh was produced and this particular thing uh the the venom saga the story was by avia rad and stan lee um avia rad is a big time producer uh produced uh i think all the spider-man movies um i know he certainly did uh the recent ones and is the executive producer of the just announced live action zelda movie oh that's a whole other conversation but uh no no, i just think it's neat that like you know, even back then, like yeah. you had these these guys who had their fingerprints in this stuff. And then I think uh, Len Wine was the guy who wrote the actual teleplay. Um, so, yeah, like this is it, it's really, really neat um, to see like these people involved in. In in the in this series, and I'm I'm really excited to get to it myself because I I haven't watched these in a very long. Well, and they're coming out with the new season of it at some point. They're continuing the story of Spider-Man, of the, the 90s Spider-Man. Oh, yeah, they are, aren't they? I, so, I, I, I knew they were doing the X-Men one, but I was, you know, got put on hold because of all the stuff happening. But um, I'm, I'm excited for, for any of that. Um, I, I've enjoyed a lot of the animated Spider-Mans, and uh, I'll talk a little bit about that, not this week, but later this month, because it'll tie into uh something that we're going to be talking about but i'm i'm really excited to kind of see this version of the story and see how much how much is in that one like is it maybe some sort of cultural osmosis that we've adapted from 
every version of Venom and that's just what we all remember, you know? Because I, I, I have some distinct memories and I have not watched this in probably 30 years. So we will see. Uh, so that's next week. Spider-Man, the animated series, which is, by the way, all of it's on Disney Plus. You can watch this entire series on Disney Plus. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, season one, episodes eight, nine and ten, the the alien costume, part one, part two and part three. Uh, so with that said, gang, we're going to wrap things up here. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can find us at the where you can find this and every other episode we've ever done, including all of those episodes while I, where I did the same introduction that I did this morning, this morning, today, right now. <laughs> it's not even morning here where I'm sitting. Ugh, it's been a week, you guys. Uh, so, uh, you can also tweet to us at the more you nerd and go to facebook.com slash the more you nerd. And you can email us the more you nerd at gmail.com. That's the more you nerd at gmail.com. And now we uh, get it, Venom reference in the show as we always do with a rousing nerd out. Do nerd for y'all.